I started just swallowing my emotions, you know, and, and, you know, I grew up in Brixton in my, like, teen years, and, you know, that wasn't, at the time, it wasn't a place of, like, you know, just tell me how you feel, man, you know, <laughs> just have a stretch, have a meditate, take a deep breath, you know, if you showed any emotion, it better be anger, and so that always ended up being my, like, go-to emotion. It gets better cause it has to get better Hello, you are listening to the Made of Human podcast. I am Sophie Hagen. I'm your host. Uh, I'm a Danish stand-up comedian. That should explain why I sound like this. And in order to explain the background noise, it's a busy London street because I'm not closing my window because it's so hot in London right now. I can't even exist in myself. So the window is open, meaning it's so loud. It's so loud. I had to sleep in this. You just have to listen to this intro. So we'll be fine. Uh, this is episode 102. I like this counting of the episodes now. 102 episodes. It's still so weird to me. My guest is Michelle Desward. If you don't know Michelle Desward, duh, you're about to. Uh, she's. I met her so many years ago when I first moved to London. And I was blown away by her. And as you'll hear in the episode, I handled it problematically. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, It's, as you know now, if you've listened for a while, I've, I have these childhood teenage issues with, uh, with people who are really conventionally attractive. It's, it's a weird thing for me. It's, it's, and it's still, sometimes it just comes out and I realize, oh, Sophie, you were just a dickhead. You were just an absolute dickhead right there because you were jealous or something. Um, and that's basically how I met Michelle was by feeling that way. And, uh, i have no reason to because Michelle is absolutely just awesome and uh, I'm sure you'll you'll feel the same way once you've heard heard her talk. Uh, so yeah, I'll let you listen to that very soon. Please, 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 please go to sophiehagen.com forward slash shop and buy my stand-up shows. I have two stand-up shows out. I have Shimmer Shatter, which is about being an introvert and feeling like a bit of a weirdo. And then I have Dead Baby Frog, which is about my psychopathic grandfather, who was a bit of a bad guy. He was uh, emotionally abusive, so that's what that show is about. But it's also about strong women, and it's five pounds, so you can go to sophiehagen.com forward slash shop and buy them. You can stream them or download them. It's a video. It's not just the sound. Well, it's also the sound, but it's also a video. Uh, that would mean a lot to me. I get a little email pinged in whenever you buy uh, one of my shows, and it's uh, it's really great. So I'm really grateful for that. <laughs> it helps me eat and stay alive. So uh, please go and do that. Th uh, that means the world to me. Uh, now I... Can you hear the children screaming in the background? This is so real. This is such a real podcast, isn't it? It's just imagine we're sitting in a on a bench in the street, having this chat, uh, uh, or just enjoy this episode, this chat that I had with the incredible Michelle Desward. For people who might not know who you are, talk a bit about yourself. Oh, we're on. We're on. We're doing now. it. We're doing um, it. My name's Michelle Deswalt, and I'm a stand-up comedian. Uh, I report stories for Vice. Uh, I do a bit of presenting, I guess, at times. <laughs> and what else? Um, I used all... to model for years. Do you not model anymore? Nah. No? Nah. It's like scraping the barrel at this point. 
What does that mean? Like there's not work? Well, yeah, there's work, but I just, I mean, it's not the same work. You know what I mean? You start with modelling, you start off like, you know, on runways and you end up modelling pyjamas. That's kind of where, <laughs> that's where, you know what I mean? The clothes get less and less, less and less desirable and more and more comfortable by the end. I see you just, no problem with this. Yeah, that's yeah. That's a dream, modelling pyjamas. This is like... Is it? You wake up, someone takes a picture of you. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Well, no, I've done it for years, and it's it's um you know it's an alright job, but it's it's kind of you have to have a quite a bit of time to dedicate to grooming and and turning oh. up for stuff and you know smiling like a bloody idiot all day, <laughs> which yeah, is I can't just do that not bit. yeah, it's just not for me. Some days you wake up and you're like, no, I don't I don't want people touching me. And I, I don't care. And it's not as much, as you get older, it's not as much money either. So you're like, meh. Do you know, I could probably make the same money for 5,000 gigs. <laughs> 5,000 comedy gigs will probably make me the same money as modeling these pajamas. <laughs> so you chose the, uh, the obvious choice of comedy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, it kind of worked out for a little while because I was doing so much Vice stuff that I couldn't model anyway. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And then my agency just got progressively more, you know, pissed off with me and um, were just like, you won't turn up to this casting. And I was just like, I just, do you know what I mean? Come on. I was like, still really? Do you still care? Come on. And you seem to have, I mean, the, the difference between that and I guess like comedy and the vice stuff is that you get to speak. Yeah. Does that mean, does that make a difference? Do you like having a vice? Well, I've always had one. It's always been here, yeah. Do you like, mean, like, do I like going to a job and... Yeah, I, I mean... mean I, well, I don't know, obviously, I don't know how it's like smile. I can just imagine it's a very... It's a quiet... Yeah, yeah, but you're not selling your personality, you're selling your looks, you know, so that's what comes with it. It's just, like, shut up and don't, you know, you're, you're selling yourself as a blank canvas, so to keep yourself as a blank canvas, you don't really want to layer too much personality on that other than just being easy to work with and polite, you know. Um, but but yeah, it's kind of it's it's a really it's a really easy kind of mind numbing job. It's so easy, it's hard work. Do you know what I mean? It, it's so easy, it's hard. Um, but but yeah, I mean, is it different from reporting stories for Vice? Yeah, of course it is. Obviously, yeah. And you prefer? I mean, it's, do you know what? It's just been at different parts of my life. You know, I've done dif different stuff. If, if someone had told me in my late teens, like, when I was a bartender, oh, do, you know, do you want to go and do stand-up comedy? I couldn't have thought of anything worse. That would have been an absolute nightmare for me. So it all just depends, you know, where you are in your life and, and stuff like that. Yeah, and you live in New York or LA New York, now? yeah. Oh, I, went, sorry, I was yeah. in LA for, like, two years, but LA's... Um, also, when I was in LA... Okay, no, not two years. I was there for about a solid year, I'd say, and, like, a year transitioning, I did... Four gigs, four oh. stand-up comedy gigs. You know, like, you've got these ideas, you're going to go to L.A. <laughs> and just crash it. But I was in the middle of, like, getting a green card and stuff, and Trump had just got it. I was, like, wedged in between Trump and Brexit, and I was just bloody depressed, man, and everyone's so upbeat. It was really pissing on my chips. It, like, really? All I could do is go to the gym, and, uh, and I became a Buddhist. I was like, <laughs> I just started, a yeah, yeah, I was like chanting, I was getting my Tina Turner on, and, um, and, and I was hanging out with my friends that are like way richer than me, all my like ex-model, you know, all my friends that used to model, and that are now like kind of housewifey stuff, or yoga teachers, or, you know, 
<laughs> nutritionists or actors and I was just like living their life a little bit and yeah I didn't I didn't do much in LA and so I, I moved back to New York um the beginning of this year did you then give up the Buddhism no I still do it yeah you're yeah still, I still have a little charm Talk about that. I know no, I know nothing about Buddhism. Me too. I don't know that much about <laughs> it. But I mean, as far as like meditation, you know, I think it's it's been really helpful for me anyway. Because I would always change my mood by just ingesting something, you know. Like yeah. I'd, I'd be so desperate to change the way I felt at times that I would turn to alcohol or drugs. And so that's been a really good way to change my mood for free. Okay, so talk about that. Like, so do you not touch alcohol and drugs anymore, or do, what, does it have a different? Yeah, I still do, but it's not. It's not. <laughs> but it's not for the same reasons. You know what I mean? Like, I just since I've you know I've been in therapy for a few years, and I just don't need it in the same way. I, I definitely never really had a sort of drink problem. I just couldn't handle my emotions. Mm-hmm. I had a really sort of um, arrested development I guess emotionally and but but I was able to intellectually grasp why I felt the way I did but emotionally I couldn't do much to change it I wasn't like developed enough to be able to breathe deeply and I would get I would get so overwhelmed that I would be upset about things that I would rather than just let the emotion play its course you know like cry I would get upset, call myself a stupid bitch. Do you know what I mean? Punch mm. my fires a few times and then go to the pub. Mm. And I'd like drink a bottle of wine, call some coke in, and then just be chatting to absolute strangers till like two in the morning in someone's random kitchen somewhere. And then wake up the next day and forget why I was upset in the first place until oh. something triggered it again. So how, what... So that was, for how long was that like a... My whole life, I would say. I mean, I'd say that like, you know, I'd say, like I, you know, I grew up in, in South London around the time I was 10 or 11, we lived in a battered women's shelter. So we were sort of like, you know, effectively homeless for about three years. And that was quite a formative time especially for a young girl and like, I was living with all these battered women and I was so like you think that you know if your mum you know, is in a violent relationship then she should show her daughter this example that she's not going to put up with it I blamed her for so much for it I would sit in this women's refuge with all these women talking about oh I got beat up by them all giving their horror stories and I'd sit there grumpy as a 12 year old and just think yeah I'm not surprised you got beaten up because you're <laughs> fucking annoying like I had such a deep hate for these women. I absolutely held them accountable. I was that's how I sort of made it all make sense in my head. And um and and so I guess from there on I started just swallowing my emotions, you know, and and you know I grew up in Brixton in my like teen years and you know that wasn't at the time it wasn't a place of like, you know, just tell me how you feel, man. You know, just have a stretch, have a meditate, take a deep breath. You know, if you showed any emotion, it better be anger. And so that always ended up being my, like, go-to emotion. So it's taken me quite a long time to be able to cry, be upset, articulate how I feel, express that to someone and not feel like a total pussy. Well, 
I mean, I don't know if congratulations is the right word. I feel like yes, it is. is. Thank it? you. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. It's like, like that's fucking difficult. To yeah, do I'm that. like, is that praise? Yes, it's more of that. Oh, Thank and, you. And you and you accept praise mm-hmm. as well. That yeah, means such totally. An adult. You're really mm-hmm. accomplished. I should try Buddhism. What was your emotional? Um, Rhythm, your emotional... Emotional rhythm. State? Is that another thing? Is that another thing? <laughs> I guess it's it like could second be. second language, just being impressed this is happening. Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, that is impressive. So before you went to the, ref, uh, the refuge centre with mm. your mother, mm. like, were you aware of what was happening in your house? Well, yeah, because, you know, my stepdad was beating the shit out of my mum. It's really hard to do that quietly. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, you know, having goes at me and taking, like, you know, his feelings out on myself as well. So, yeah, I was aware. I don't think you can, like... It's not like cheating, you know what I mean? It's, you can't... You can't... You can't knock the shit out of someone quietly. Fair point. Yeah. <laughs> but how do you think that affected you? Because that must have also... Oh, like, in, in all the ways that right? I'm speaking about, yeah. yeah. So like, we it, can't if, just have started at the, the centre for... No, but that was that was the beginning of me being in a high stress situation. You know, before that was a high stress situation, and I guess once we'd moved into the women's refuge, I was able to relax a little uh, bit, yeah. and um, there was a lot going on, and so I ended up just being very angry, and I sort of just stayed angry. It didn't progress into anything else. It just stayed. Like me being pissed off and cynical, and um, and then when I would get too overwhelmed, I would drink and uh, do drugs and smoke a lot of weed as well. From that age till how old are you now? Yeah, thirty-seven. And you've and you've cracked it now. I wouldn't say I've cracked it, but no? I've definitely got better at being able to deal with how I feel. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. As in terms of being able to process my feelings yeah but I don't think you ever crack it I don't think anyone's ever like I'm killing it like the minute you think that a bus will run you over (laughs) it's it's over for you it's the end so yeah I I wouldn't say I've cracked it but I definitely have a handle on it now what 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 caused it like what made you go this is enough or was there a moment where you went I think I'm done with being angry Okay, you know, weirdly, what I didn't actually, I, I always felt like I was quite compassionate, you know, and, I, and like empathetic towards people. And so my, my anger was sort of, I definitely was always feisty, but my anger was really directed at myself, you know what I mean? And mm. I was just, you know, like if someone started crying, I would totally just roll my eyes, just like, oh, whatever. You know, I mean, yeah. annoyed me that someone could express such emotion. Um, but I guess the the journey of me going to therapy, really. So I did a, a documentary a couple of years ago for Vice, and I had to spend a lot of time. It was a, it was called Women. It's nominated for an Emmy. No big deal. No big deal. Oh my god! Hello. And um, and so. I had to visit a lot of women in prison and talk to them and I had to hang out in these halfway houses a lot and it was and it really reminded me of being in the refuge and I started getting panic attacks and I had to interview a lot of like young kids that were my age then young girls so like that were like 11 and 12 Whoa. that were living in this halfway house and I had to talk to them about how they felt about living there. And, like, girl, that sent me... Like, that was it for me. And also, I, you know, um, I spent my childhood visiting prisons. And 
And then my first boyfriend got sent to prison and all my mum's boyfriends were always in prison. And it just, I'd, I'd, like I'd, you know, I grew up in South London and then I was a bartender and then I became a model. I was living in New York and, um, you know, and then I started stand up and then I started doing Vice stuff. And I've just always been kind of like able to reinvent myself. And um, especially in America, my, like, beginning of my class was irrelevant because, you know, they just think English people are posh, mostly. (laughs) And so it really hit me all of a sudden that I was like, I just started having panic attacks visiting these prisons and I just start freaking out, be like, I need to get out now, which is is the most bougie privilege thing you can say (laughs) when you're visiting, you know, when you're interviewing women in like a maximum security prison, all of a sudden you turn around to your producer, you're like, I need to get out right now because I'm going to have a panic attack and I need to go and smoke a cigarette. You know what I mean? So it's, I'll get trapped like between two doors and I'll just be like, I'm going to lose it. Oh, I'm going to lose it. So around then I was like, oh, I've got to go to therapy. Wow. Yeah. And then that was the beginning, you know, of me admitting to myself that like I wasn't handling stuff as well as I could and that I just had a lot of childhood stuff to unpack there were certain things you'd never handled yeah no I I hadn't dealt with them at all yeah did you think you had or did you kind of go you know like oh that's things happen and now I'm fine yeah I just told myself to quit it I just always tell myself that some people have got it worse than me and just Mm -hmm. to like just stop being a pussy and being a dumb bitch and then I just get into this thing of just like berating myself you know do you think that's do you not think that's really normal not normal is not the right word but Co- like common is that yeah right? I think well, it's like, absolutely think common so many people do that absolutely but it doesn't stop you doing it does no, it no, and, no, that, no. and that's the problem yeah, that's is that problem. is doing that you go oh but people have got it worse than me that yeah. doesn't make you it doesn't last for long no I think what, I'm, what I mean is you're at, from what I just remember off the top of my head you're the third guest I've had in this podcast who explained that exact uh, spiral of going, oh, I'm really sad, oh, I'm, I'm stupid, and then it goes into that self-hating, and then people have, have had so far different ways of dealing with that. Yeah. You know, you say alcohol and drugs have had self-harm, have had someone um, just being very destructive in their lives. I just feel like a lot of people are struggling with, with this pattern of you turn it into self-blame. Yeah, well, because I think like, what you want to do is you, you want to try and, you know, we live in, the, in, in a first world country and we, we kind of want to go, but people have it worse than me and people have mm. it worse than me. And, and in a weird way, that's sort of making yourself a martyr almost, you know what mm. I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it just doesn't... The most grown-up thing to do is to, is to take how you feel seriously. I'm just... And even the politics, that's, that's so important. That's such an important sentence. Yeah. How did you deal with opening up in therapy did you find like a did you find a good therapist from the beginning yeah well so check it out I had a therapist in my early 20s and I went for about I don't know maybe six months and I knew this is before I'd even started doing like harder drugs and I knew I just lived I was living in New York I was making a lot of money in modeling and I come from a family that don't have a lot of money and so I was starting to fund a lot of stuff and I was starting to become aware of the crazy background that I was from I was seeing all these people from different you know family setups and I was thinking what I don't what is your family supportive of what what the fuck is what and they so you come home every year and then if people buy you st- what the fuck is going on like I was like yo like I was starting to see like crazy deficits in my life I was like 
so you've got a mum and your mum and a dad and they and they both support you and then they encourage you. What? Like I was I was starting to crack up then. I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I started going to therapy then. One of my friends was like, I was telling her some stuff about, you know, I've, I've got to go home and do this, this and this. And she was like, oh, really? I think you need to go to therapy. And I was like, how dare you? <laughs> and then I, she put me in touch with a therapist because I, I realised then, my mum's got borderline personality disorder. My dad's schizophrenic, right? And so I realised around, you know, so when you have, that you have like a lot of narcissistic traits and stuff like that and... I started to realise I was never going to get an apology from my mum. And I could see myself getting a little bit, like, pissed off and annoyed. So when I was with her, I'd be a little bit, like, you know, passive-aggressive. And I was like, I don't want to do that. So she's never going to say sorry. I'm going to start going to a therapist. And once my family found out, everyone took the piss out of me so much that I stopped going. Like, it was literally like, what are you fucking going therapy for? There's nothing wrong with you. What's wrong with you? What do you mean going to therapy? Were you living in New York as a model and all of us? What, what, you think there's something bad about that? What, if you've had it so hard? And I just come from a family where they've gone, you think you've had it hard? You think you've had it hard? When I was your age, I was a prostitute. And you're just like, oh, for fuck's sake, man. I, I can't compete with that. Do you know what I mean? You think you've had it hard? When I was your age, I was living on the streets. And you're like, okay, wicked. All right, then. So... Maybe you need therapy too. <laughs> but that's kind of what happened. I, I stopped going because everyone just rinsed me. And um, I stopped going and I started doing drugs. I, I basically stopped going and started doing coke wow. within like two years. And then so years later, um, you know, 10 years now, right, of like doing coke recreationally of a weekend... And not thinking I had a problem because I was buying it myself. I wasn't fucking anyone. I didn't want to fuck on it. Do you know what I mean? I was like, well, growing up in Britain, you're like, oh, I don't want to do drugs, hard drugs, because I might end up, you know, sucking dick for crack. And that, and that never happened. I was just like in really nice loft parties chatting to people. Like, and that's I was so like, interesting. Yeah, so it wasn't. One is a problem, one's not a problem. Well, I just didn't think, yeah. I thought that's what would happen if I did coke. And I was like, oh, it didn't really happen like that. And then so, you know, 10 years pass, I stopped doing blow. And I went back to the same therapist and she was like, oh, you're back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, I, you know, I tried doing this myself. I started doing coke every weekend and like drinking a bottle of wine before I had a glass of wine. <laughs> and, and yeah, and then I just started back where I left. Wow. Off. Yeah. So I went back to the same therapist. Wow. Mm. And she's good. She's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I love her. I have to like relax and like yeah. not do too much, like not obsess about her too much. I have to like make a point of like not asking her questions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I want to be like, where do you go after me? You know, <laughs> who are your children? Can I be one of them? Am I the best client you have? Yeah. <laughs> who, who's the most entertaining? All right. Who's the most entertaining? Me. <laughs> who's making you laugh? Who's making you laugh, Tony? Yeah, I love her. She's, she literally, I mean, you know, if you've got a good therapist, they're as beautiful as like your first kindergarten teacher, aren't oh, they? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're just like. I accidentally hugged my new one the first time I saw her because that's what it was my old therapist we'd hug no no yeah, no yeah that was her reaction as well I was just hugging like a piece of oh like, you was pushing for that yeah I was trying to hug her I was the idiot. why 
it's what I, I was used to, my old therapist. But she was like a kid's but, therapist. Uh, she would. So your old therapist you used to hug? Yeah, we hugged. You're just so aware of like people's space and like what's a boundary and what isn't. I'm like, in which realm are you living in where you think <laughs> that you can go and hug your therapist? Yeah, that's pretty much her reaction as well. And <laughs> still you persist. Okay. I've not touched a single person in my life because I'm so okay, terrified. Good, of good. good. So You're just bad. walking around in a giant hamster wheel. Just <laughs> sorry, so sorry for what I did. So sorry, and I know it's going to be the last thing we talk about in therapy because I haven't mentioned it to her. How embarrassing that was. I tell you what, right? I um, I've painted a few portraits of my therapist with a halo round her because I love her so much and that's how I deal with my feelings sometimes when I just adore someone I just paint a picture of them that's amazing and uh, but I but my friends have often joke they come over to the studio that I work in they're like who's that I'm like it's my therapist they're like have you shown her I was like of course not of course not that is face pressed up against your kitchen window like breath on the pane just hi no I was like I don't want to weird her out but it's really good and I'm like I kind of want to show her but I also know that I'd just be doing it for like some quick approval <laughs> so I just like while I'm like working on other stuff I sort of like look over and I find it comforting Jesus That's and really there's me lovely. judging you about hugging yeah, your friend. About to say, yeah, yeah no and I'm so compassionate towards you and you yeah no, I know. so was it easy for you to open up in the beginning no not yeah. it took me like I prided myself for like the first year and a half that I didn't cry in yeah. there. I'm in that. That's exactly where I'm I was at. like, in your face. Yeah. Ha-ha! She had to say to me after one session, she said, it's not, no, it's because she'd been, she'd been really trying to get me to cry. And then I just about managed to not do it. And I, and I was so, pr- I was really like, just, you know, when you go like, think of something else, think of something, think of something funny. And then I didn't cry and I just went, ha-ha! Yeah, like, Sophie, it's not a competition. <laughs> You're like, it is, and I won. It Bye. Is, it is, and I'm paying to win this, okay? <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. Um, ultimately, you're just wasting your money. Absolutely. So, that, you yeah. know, while you're spending an hour trying not to cry and, like, <laughs> you know, swallowing how you feel, that kind of, these, these deep yeah. breaths, um, you're not moving as fast as you could down the emotional yeah alleyway of fuckeries so tell me about the first time you cried in therapy i can't even remember to be honest and i probably it wasn't like "Uh i probably just welled up just talking about you know eventually she i I started to just find it annoying i was like why are we talking about the same stuff again and again and oh you know i want to be a snowflake and she's like so you know, tell me about some of your anger towards your mum. And I'm just like, oh, leave it out. I mean, I've told you what she's like. And, like, you can see why I might feel like that. The end. And, um, you know, eventually it it just kind of, yeah, it just got too much. And um, and now, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not like <laughs> in there. I'm just leaky eyes. You know what I mean? I'm just, oh, wow. like, always sort of trying to put a tissue in the corner of my eyes kind of thing. I'm weeping. I think that's the right word. I don't know what it's sopping and wailing. Is that like, wah? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what crying is. That's just all of it. Yeah, that's just, yeah. Is weeping just like one tear then? I think it just means crying, but I feel like weeping (laughs) fits a little bit more. You're teaching me English and about feelings. Girl, you do not want me to teach you English. I do. Do you? Oof, okay. (laughs) No pressure. What What were you like in school? Uh, well, it depends. Primary school, 
I think I was chill-ish, you know what I mean? And in secondary school, I was just a cunt. You know, I, I was just like, How I was old angry. It's yeah. from 11 to 16, I guess, yeah. but I left at 14. I left in year nine. I had like big dreams of working in a market and selling cakes which is what I left school yeah I just wanted I was dyslexic you know I I was I still am dyslexic and um I couldn't read until I was like 10 or 11 and like properly I couldn't even spell my last name I remember going to secondary school my mum going you're gonna have to learn how to spell dyswalt now and being really stressed out about it I can't spell your name (laughs) right so um and so I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder once they once we went to secondary school and they started streaming us into like first second and third you know like it's like like how good you are yeah 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 once they started doing that then there was a real big disparity in between like the things that I excelled at and the things that I, I I wasn't great at you know so um and I was really annoyed about that because I'd, I'd always thought I was sort of smart-ish. Or like I'd always done well at school to a point, you know. Um, and and that just, you know, shines a giant light on everything. And, and plus we were living in a refuge and my friends would call... You know, like there was like a payphone in a refuge. It wasn't even like this is before mobile phones. You couldn't just call me up, and my mum would answer. Like, so a friend would call me up, and like Zuhela from 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 the third floor would answer. Who couldn't speak any English and be like, what, what? Hello, Michelle, Michelle, and I would just, and then I'd go to school the next day and be like, who's that woman who answered the phone? And like, why is there like a payphone pip? Like, it would just be going beep. Beep. Like once you'd picked it up for like the first two minutes, I was just massively embarrassed, and that just made me really aggressive. Yeah, yeah. So I got into like a lot of fights. I got suspended and a, v- a few times for fighting. They moved me class, and then eventually I stopped going. I was also travelling really far as well. I was travelling from Putney, and my school was in Crystal Palace. That's a distance. Yeah, that's quite a lot. Yeah, it's like two trains and a bus. Yeah. Yeah. So it's too, it, that was too much as well. Because yeah. we were living in a shelter, so... Yeah, you can't really... We were out of it. I was in the catchment area, and then we moved out of it. So, yeah. So what about... Was that your stepdad who'd been abusive? Yeah. What, what, where was he when you were living in the shelter? Were you in... like? W- he was in the place that we originally... Was our flat, and then he stayed there, and we left. I was so mad. I was like, I wasn't even mad at him. I was mad at my mum and her shitty taste in men. Like, I was just like, your taste in men is horrendous. Look what you've done to us. Isn't like, that quite amazing that you had that thought? And in, instead of thinking, oh, that's how men are yeah. supposed to be. And well, Yeah, it's interesting how, maybe it was just, you know, a few years of conditioning, listening to him speak to her and blame her for everything, that when she you know, was courageous enough to leave, um, I think I just, I sort of agreed with a lot of what he would say. You know, I sort of think, yeah, like, she did do this to us. And like, yeah, like, she she, she ain't shit. You know what I mean? It took, like, a long time to, to... to not blame women for the situation that I was in and realise that it was uh, a man that was accountable for that. Do you think you can have that 
um, opinion or feeling when you were young of blaming women for the situations they're in without also blaming yourself? Or do you think that would just become like the circle of life almost, then you would just... I think I think in that situation, now I, you know, if you're asking me to sort of process it a bit more, I would say that it was, because he was violent and aggressive, it was easier for me, it was safer to blame my mum and direct my anger at her because if I, di- I, if I directed it, it at him, the repercussions... Um, would have been a lot more scary, so oh it just sense. probably felt like a safe way to yeah. to to get it out of my system. Also, she was vulnerable, so I could be a little bit more, you know, of an arsy kid. She was already taking shit, so I could just be grumpy and annoyed with her as well. Yeah. Whereas, what was I going to do? Be grumpy and annoyed and pissed off at a grown man, you know, and have him like chuck me into a wall or something no thank you so probably just in my young head at the time it felt like a it feels like you had really strong defense mechanisms yeah i guess yeah yeah also she was vulnerable and then that's what you distanced yourself from like maybe you connected the vulnerability with the violence and you just went no no yeah not doing vulnerability now yeah also when you grow up in a violent household emotionally you do have to cut yourself off because if you always were feeling um sort of sorry and sympathetic and you would just be all worn out you kind of have to start cutting off a lot of your feelings to cope with it and to get through it you know um what's the question how do i phrase this what do you think have what do you think are the reasons that you've come from such a like i don't know what the right word that isn't understanding is like a dark past or like a Troubles, maybe, and you've not ended it because I think that's quite normal for people to end up in the same tracks as you know their past kind of would lead them into. Mm. But you've come out of this quite well. What do you think has been the? Do you ever think about how? I definitely have had my fair share of dysfunctional relationships, and what happens is that you end up gravitating towards people like that and it doesn't flag up the way it should. It, you don't get the warning signs the way it should. It doesn't, like, the the alarm bells don't start ringing the way they should ring, you know, like someone speaks um, to you in a bad way or whatever and somewhere in your head you kind of read that as, like, care and affection because you're they're showing you some kind of emotion. It might not be a good emotion, but it's still an emotion. And so you're like, oh, like you wouldn't be that angry unless you cared this much. You know what I mean? Mm, so, yeah, um, yeah you, you, end, you kind of, you end up getting in relationships like that regardless. Yeah, and actually a few years after me, my mum and my brother lived in a women's refuge, by the time I was 18, I was living in one because for my, for my own partner because I was dating a guy who was way older than me. And he was violent and then and just aggressive and, like, absolutely, like, m- you know, manipulative and abusive. And I, I just didn't... I didn't read it as... It didn't flag up. Mm. I was just like, oh, he really likes me and he buys me presents. It's a win-win situation. And then I remember saying to my mum, like, he turned up at my mum's house. I was living with him for a little bit and he was kind of crazy. And then he turned up at my mum's house and I was like, what do I do? And she was like... I guess you'd go into a refuge. It was a really bad time for me as well because I'd really thought that I was 
never going to be like her. And then at 18, I was living in this fucking women's refuge in Peckham. And I'm a Brixton girl, babes. That was, that was, that was some, in Peckham, never. Southeast. Um, and I was bartending and yeah, I was living in a bloody refuge, man. And I was like, how did this happen? A few years later, I was modelling and it was all fine. But there was just like, there was a moment where I was like, what the fuck? So absolutely do you end up in that stuff yourself. I remember when, because my grandfather was not physically, but emotionally abusive. Very, yeah. A lot of gaslighting and oh, all of that yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember the first guy I dated bringing him home to meet my mom. And then when he left, she went, does he, um, does he remind you? a bit about your, of your grandfather and I just threw up I was like oh shit oh really and suddenly I could see all the connections between the same like phrases Ooh. the same like um, like movements like body movements and the same like like the whole thing was like oh I'm dating my grandfather mm-hmm. this is really really bad mm-hmm. and I think it's not as bad me. as dating your grandfather though so <laughs> <laughs> swings and roundabouts fair point um, <laughs> I think I had to go through three relationships with copies of my grandfather before I started and but then the danger signs became very clear like now when I speak to someone and they have even like a shred of that I'm like yeah no 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 see you see with like gaslighting and stuff um I mean don't you find that you can sort of sorry um that you can sort of do that to yourself as well at times like just you know once that that sort of like inner monologue of just you're being crazy. You're, yeah, yeah. You're not thinking straight. You're probably overreacting. Yeah. Yeah. It gets in, it gets it becomes part of your eternal internal language. Yeah. Which I think then when you see someone else, particularly if you see like someone you relate to, like if it's if you're a woman and it's a woman, and you see another woman be like, no, actually, I'm going to say no to this, and I I deserve this, and I deserve that, and I'm. I remember I had a lot of hatred for happy women and uh, women that I felt had. Like didn't have the things that I had, and I completely internalized all of that like, yeah. hatred towards those sides of myself. Yeah, well, because you're like, well, how comes I like? Why are you so happy? Why can't I make that happen for me? Yeah, I want some of those smiles. Yeah, <laughs> it's part of my like a, a big shame thing. I remember, you know, when you have. Well, I don't know if you know that. Do you do you feel shame? That was what I was going to ask you. Do you have those moments of shame where you can think about it, even like? Ten years later, you go, oh shit! Oh, I did that thing. I'd, yeah, you don't not really. Nah, nah. I'm not someone who. I mean, I do like lie in bed and sometimes just think of stupid shit. I say, like anyone does, but yeah. no, I kind of give zero fucks. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I'm, I'm sort of like, if you don't, if you don't like it. No, but also, I've just said so much outlandish stuff out the years. I can't keep track of all of it. <laughs> I can't. I cannot. <laughs> You know, I like no, no. Because I remember when the last time you did a podcast, which I think we only, me and Evelyn, Mark did a podcast for what thirteen episodes or something. I don't know. It wasn't my podcast. I, think, I, I have know, no I idea. Uh, and it was called Funny for a Girl. I think great, oh, great concept. And uh, no one's done it before, and yeah. no one will do it since. It's also just women. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, and I remember we talked to you, and I called, and I said. I called you like you're really lucky for being pretty. Yeah. And then you annihilated me for about 20 minutes. Yeah. And I was like, huh. Yeah. And you're lucky you hadn't said that today because I'd have fucking annihilated you for being a white woman saying that. Do you know you what not, I mean? Was that not part of your. Like back then, why was it not? 
No, it was, it was. But today, we've just like, you know, there's a different kind of political climate and stuff. That's really interesting. So you had the same thought, but today you'd feel like you could say it. No, 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 no. I don't even mean like that. I'm just like, if you're saying it today, I would have just rinsed you on so many other levels. You know what I mean? As well. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The absolute, I mean, you know, just the, the fucking audacity right you know especially coming from a woman it's just like you know when people claim to be feminists and then they can say something like that about your physical appearance and what they think that means yeah you know i i find it laughable yeah oh it's it's horrendous I'm, i'm writing a book at the moment about fatness and i've kind of had to go back into basically how i felt about just bodies in general up until a few years ago of just how much just internalized hatred came out as just hating basically more or less all women yeah just because it became such a like a blame game or a you think they're judging you oh you think and they're, they're not taking something yeah from yeah yeah you as well yeah or but, other people have it easier yeah you know what i mean other people have it easier than you and like oh you know and that's yeah. that's not the case because everything's relative as well you know what yeah, I mean? yeah yeah so i'm really grateful you did it really i, I can't remember it. but <laughs> i honestly can't remember what i remember about that day was uh, me, you and Evelyn sitting on the bed and you was you was eating pizza or something and you was like you was like giving Evelyn some shit about something. I can't yeah. even remember, but I remember being like, Fucking calm down a bit, Soph. I was probably already a bit anno- a bit annoyed yeah. about that and then by the yeah. time you got into that I was just like, I'm yeah. ready. I'm gonna fucking <laughs> crush her I'm ready do you know what I mean? <laughs> that's the whole fucking shit about starting just doing things from a very young age when you know absolutely fucking nothing yeah. and then so much of it is recorded and you put it out to the yeah, whole world yeah, like when you yeah. go through your timeline your Twitter timeline you're like Oh, shit. Yeah, I don't really use social media. I'm not a big fan of it. No? No. I don't really use... Um, I don't use Twitter at all. Um, I don't use... I've just started to try and, like, use Instagram like I mean it, as in, like, telling people what gigs I'm doing. And I've always just been very... Um, I just kind of feel like... I'm like, oh, no one cares. Shut up. And that's my horrible inter you know uh, just me yeah, sort yeah. of being like oh what are you gonna post a picture of yourself oh knob off you know like yeah. what and what what you telling was throwback thursday oh like i just i get so wound up about it that i just hit delete and i'm like i can't no i can't do it who cares i'm doing a gig someone will find out i don't care and then after a while i you know i've realized that I'd, I'd see other people that were really good at social media and I'd think, fuck, they're so good at it. Why can't I be that good? And I'm like, well, because you don't do it. That's why. Yeah. You know, it was another comedian in New York told me recently, he was like, you should be better at social media, Michelle. Why don't you do it more? I was like, I just get anxiety and I just think it's naff and tacky. And he went, get over yourself. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> it's like, I nearly needed someone to tell me that. Just to go, no one cares. Get over yourself. And post your bloody gigs, you idiot. And I was like, all right, yeah. I also think you'd be really good at it. I think you could be really good at it. Maybe. I think people would love to just hear you do a rant on Instagram stories. Yeah, maybe. I start and I just think, oh, shut up. Like, oh, it's bad. Yeah, but post that too. Yeah. People would love to hear you be like, oh, f- oh, I'm an idiot now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a question I always ask, um, which is based on a question that I asked 
Westlife when I was 13 and they mm. answered disappointingly so now I'm ans- asking other people the same question because I think it's still a good question oh, fuck I forgot waste. that you love Westlife you should never forget that I loved Westlife I, I won't I won't I didn't, for a minute for a second I forgot the question is this <clears throat> uh, what question would you like for me to ask you and it's based on the fact that we've talked a lot about the same topic now for a bit yeah we have um, and you have known that you were doing this for a day or two now so maybe you've already had thoughts about what you thought don't we were rate yourself talk about, babes no or? i haven't <laughs> not at all <laughs> go on go on fair enough well, or maybe there's a thing happening in your life at the moment that you just like if it's it could be anything from like an album you're listening to you want to talk about or like something a bigger thing you want to talk about basically the question is what would you like to be asked oh okay what would i like to be asked um i guess because of what we just spoken about, yeah. like what I'm going to be up to. I guess that's a question I'd like oh, yeah. to be asked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the answer is I'm, I'm doing the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this no, year. No shit, you are. Yeah, but that's I'm only good. doing, I'm only doing five days. And my time, can I tell you my time slot? It's yeah. a fucking nightmare. What would be the worst time slot you 11 could? 11 a.m. Oh, okay. Okay. And um, what would be the second worst time slot? 11 p.m., I think. For third? Me. Third? It's noon? 1 a.m., babes. 1 a.m. Oh, shit. That's, yeah. I didn't even know that happened. <laughs> Who knew that it even existed? I didn't even know that was a thing. It's so bad. So I've, I was told I had like a nine, a nine o'clock slot and I was going to do the whole month. My show is called The Spice Girls Lie to Us. Oh, right? amazing. Yeah. And I was going to do the whole month. And then the literally the day before, um, I got a message saying we fucked up. We we that we can't. Someone else has to take that slot. We're so sorry. We didn't think this person was going to get back to us. We thought they pulled out. They actually didn't. Ooh. Blah blah blah. Do you want to do eleven forty five at the other side of town? And I was like, not for a whole month. No. I can't. It will kill me. And then they were like, oh, we can put you in the centre of town, but we've only got one a.m. or or um, ten a.m. And I was like, oh, I'll do 1 a.m. for five days, I guess. So basically, yeah. I'm going to come up anyway, and I'm just going to be, you know, <laughs> attempting to, like, network and get on other people's shows. So you'll shows. be there for the month, but you don't do your No, show. no, no. I'll probably be the there for, like, 10 days. All oh, right, right. Okay. You know what I mean? That's, that's enough, <laughs> isn't it? What a fucking nightmare, though. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? 1 a.m. But I was like, you Where? know what? 1 a- What's the venue? The City Caf. Does that sound right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know what that is. That's a, that's a lovely venue. Yeah. And it's a restaurant rather than a bar. Yeah. So maybe it's not too Sounds bad. less appealing when you put it like that. No, because I think like if it's a Pleasance, people will be wasted by 1am and you'll just have people But at least they'll be there. <laughs> right, Imagine yeah. trying to get someone to come to your gig at 1am to check out your... Just to check it out. <laughs> but that's a good title. What's it? Um, what's the show about? Um, it's about... Like I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm not quite a millennial, mm. and um, I feel like with the my generation or like my age particularly, um, were brought up told being told that we could do all the same things that men could do. It was like ladette culture. It was like go out and get fucking smashed. You know what I mean? And we did. And now I'm just watching all of my friends desperately run around and try and either get an egg from someone random, or like you know go go on a long trip and just try and 
sleep with as many people and they could just get pregnant by anyone you know and um, it's about drugs it's about you know what we've just been speaking about fertility and also the fact that I just get so mad I just think the Spice Girls lied to us they like really did they just sold us this girl power they sold us the merch they were like friendship lasts forever and they didn't even stay friends they didn't even stay friends every single one of them has been lied to to cheated on publicly humiliated beaten up and then they all go back to their husbands even the lesbian i'm just like i'm so Which mad at you sporty she wasn't a lesbian oh. <laughs> but we all thought she was at the time but just like i was just i'm just so mad i'm like i'm like fuming and then every now and again they have like just recently um they posted a picture and it was like posh spice is gonna go on they're all gonna go on tour and then it was like posh spice says no and i was like you're going on tour. You're going on tour. It's the least you could do. Also, we accepted her into fashion, which was a hard sale at first. It was a hard sale. It's amazing what you can do when you, like, change your boob job a little bit. You know what I mean? They put in, like, the tears. The, you know, like, the more... Tears. You know, like, the teardrop. You know, at first it was just, like, the wag, like, the footballer's wife implants that were just looked like two... Grapefruits, oh. and then and then they sort of changed a bit, and so all of a sudden, cool. fashion went. We'll take you. Go on then. Go on. We'll have it. And now she's like, I don't want to go on tour. I'm too. I'm too posh for that. I'm like, you're not. You. It's the least you could do. She's still married to the uh, David it, Beckham. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. No, I like that. I like uh, the passion about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's really that, that 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 that's what the hour's about. It's going to be about you know doing doing drugs, um, being a woman. And I'm sure most of the hours just going to be me going, can you shut the fuck up? Because everyone's going to be drunk and just mental. <laughs> oh, shit. I don't know how... To, oh, is it so the five days? Well, is that Monday to Friday? I haven't even checked. Oh, I, le- I literally... I was so gutted that even since when they've been like, oh, check, you know, just just check before we put it in the um, in the programme, just make sure there's any times. So I was like, what's the point? <laughs> it's at 1am. But, you know, it's it's. I'll be here from July and so it'll be nice to, yeah. you know, I've been really busting my ass actually in New York from January. I was like, I'm just going to do stand-up full-time and yeah. not do anything else for a little while. And um, I feel really good about it. I've been doing really good shows in New York and... Um, I think the standard there's really high. And so you it's a kick up the arse. And I'm looking forward to... What, a lower standard in the UK? What? A lower standard here? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I don't know, because I haven't... It's different, isn't it? It's culturally different. Oh, but yeah, I think, yeah. But I think as a woman, it's, there's, a, there's a particular style of stand-up here. Um, that's so interesting because I would have said the same thing about New York and I think there's I think women can take up the same amount of space on stage that men can there and they also have you know multiple women one after the other and they're not like oh I've got to switch it up and um, women just you're just either a good comic or or you're shit in New York? Uh, yeah, in New York. That's so, I, that's so interesting. Whereas I thought it was exactly the other way here around. Here I just feel like the stand-up's a bit more like uh, 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 awkward, yeah. I don't know. Well, awkwardness, yes, absolutely. There's a lot more awkwardness here, and it just—it's almost like a style, and I, that doesn't. It's like a style of delivery. Um, as definitely yeah. amongst women, and I, I don't. 
uh, and that's not all women. No, I think no, you've no, got some like proper trailblazers that just come up and like take up all the space. And yeah, um, but for me, uh, it's been I really enjoy doing stand up in New York, and I've been working pretty hard at it lately. That's and so, so cool. I feel quite good because I'd always sort of started and stopped and started and stopped yeah. over the years because I've been doing other stuff. Can you, you know? do one hour shows and like pr- like the same way we do working proper shows here? Not really. There's like not there's not anything. enough space for yeah. yeah. But say like um. I got here Sunday uh, and Saturday I did two shows at Standing Room and so you're just you know you do you can do like half an hour I guess yeah yeah, yeah. you know like the, I do 15 minutes and then they'll change bring a next bunch of all you know audience in and then you'll do another show at the same venue oh smart yeah yeah so that kind of like you can you can start to get a handle on your hour but not in the same way here but I'll be coming in July so hopefully That's I can amazing. get some previews under my belt for my 1am show I can you that. believe it I love that isn't it like it's so it's uh, shocking isn't it it's such a fringe thing our friends who do 11am <laughs> on purpose why because they're like well there's no one, no other shows are happening so people are tourists and stuff like roaming the streets just looking for oh I don't want them tourists in my show though no. do you know what I mean yeah. I know what you mean. Backpacks and a woolly hat. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah, and I also can't see. <laughs> or speak yeah. English. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you need a different audience. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, uh, my uh, it would be interesting. It'd be interesting. Yeah, I mean, if you if you want to, we can try and set up some uh, double headers here. I would love that yeah, in yeah, July. July. That would yeah, be great. Yeah. I'm not doing shows till next year, but I want to do previews anyways. <laughs> Why? Because I want to do just a show. To, I, it's the first juicy. year I haven't done a show, and I don't like it. And I have an idea, and I have a story. And I just wanted to tell it on stage. What is it? <clears throat> you can come to my one-hour slot, my one-hour slot in Edinburgh. It's three thirty. <laughs> Light streaming through the windows. <laughs> um, so, where are you at in your life right now? Uh, it sounds like you're in a good place. I would say, yeah, I'm in a good place. I'm living in Brooklyn. I'm you know, going to do yoga, doing a bit of chanting, drinking all the vitamins I can get my hands on and, uh, you know, painting and writing and all of that stuff. Yeah. Living a pretty nice life. Yeah, that's really good. It is, actually. Yeah, it is. Does that feel... Are you at a point now where you also accept that? You know, like, if you're in a dark place, feeling happy can almost become uncomfortable. I guess I'm I'm from a slightly challenged beginning, but that doesn't mean like I constantly live in a state of dark at all. I think I've got a pretty positive outlook yeah, on it things. Like you've come yeah, it. and that doesn't mean that I don't wake up some days and want to kill myself, right? But I don't. So yeah, I think I, I kind of realised that I want. I spent a bit of time thinking, like, oh, why don't people take care of me properly? Like, people don't take care of me the way I think they should, and ultimately, I realized that I didn't take care of myself the way I claimed I wanted other people to take care of me mm. and that was quite a that was quite a thing when I realized like you don't even look after yourself that well Michelle like you don't take care of yourself you know but drinking water and spending loads of money on face creams and stuff like I was like what do you really do to to look after yourself like look after yourself like you would want someone to look after you look after yourself like if you met the person of your dreams that you would boast to your friends and tell them all the ways that this person looks after you like try to look after yourself like that 
And so that's what I try to do. I don't, I don't always succeed, but every day I try to do some things for myself. Like I wake up and, you know, I, I take a bunch of vitamins and stuff and I try to meditate and chant and, you know, do all that white woman shit, man. I'm on it. I'm into it, babes. <laughs> I think that's fucking amazing advice. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, good. I feel like I've heard that advice in other <laughs> phrase differently from therapists. That whole, like, treat yourself... Well, I... with they all, The ones I've heard, it's been... Treat yourself like you would treat your child, basically. Yeah, yeah. Very mine good. doesn't say... Mine doesn't give advice. She just nods and judges. <laughs> she nods and judges <laughs> and, like, waits until I say the right thing and then goes, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. So, yeah. the last question I always ask people. So... <clears throat> You're in the delivery room, okay? You you have just been born, and you're holding yourself as a baby, teeny tiny Michelle, right? And Michelle is crying because there's lights and sounds everywhere, and it's very scary, and she was used to the womb, and it was felt very safe. Um, and you know what's going to happen in the next 37 years of this baby's life. You know there'll be a lot of lights and sounds, but it won't be lights and sounds. There'll be other things that will be scary or uncomfortable. So you can say something to yourself. You can't change the future at all, but you might be able to say something to yourself that might make you less scared. Or, if that's what you want to do, you could say whatever you want. To teeny tiny baby you, what would you say to teeny tiny baby you? Mm, I would say, I love you so much, and it's going to take you a long time to realize how much I love you, but, like, I love you. That's amazing. Do you still need to be told that? Yeah, of course, ma'am. Of course. I wake up some days, I look at myself and I'm like, no one should see your face, ever. No one, you know. And then I wake up some days and I'm like, fuck yeah, I look amazing. You know, so yeah, I still need to tell myself that. And it's, it's a daily practice, isn't it? Thank you so much for doing this. You're so welcome. Um, do you have anything other to plug in your show? 1am. I mean, I'm going to be on Channel 4 tonight, but this isn't oh, going to come out. No, it won't, yeah, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> so whatever. Yeah, I'll be in Edinburgh at 1am. Guys, come. <laughs> come with your buck fast. Come. Um, I can't even... I think the dates are like the 12th to the 17th. Um, yeah, if you're lost for something to do at 1am, <laughs> if your coke man doesn't turn up, <laughs> come come to my show. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I'm working on some shorts, uh, directing and producing some shorts that I'd written over the summer as well. So that would be fun. Social media. Social media, man. Thank you. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Michelle DeSwalt. And how do you spell Swart? Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, it's Michelle with two L's and DeSwalt is D-E-S-W-A-R-T-E. See how far I've come. Couldn't even spell my last name at 11 years old. Now look at me. <laughs> and Twitter? You're on Twitter as well? Twitter, yeah, but don't bother. My last tweet was, you remember when Kate Moss called someone basic? I live for that, right? She called someone basic. And my last tweet was, and everyone was like, how dare Kate Moss call someone a basic bitch? I was like, everyone's a basic bitch compared to Kate Moss. Shut up. <laughs> um, and that was my last tweet. So don't fucking bother. Yeah. Instagram though and uh, yeah. Edinburgh. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. You're so welcome. Thank you very much for having me, Sophie. And it's been really nice to watch everything that you've been doing. Oh, thank you. That's yeah. so nice. I'm sorry, this. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Michelle for wanting to have this chat with me. Go and if you're around in Edinburgh, go and see her show. I can't wait to see it. It's gonna be uh, ah, it's gonna be great. <laughs> I'm, 
I'm just really excited. <laughs> uh, anyways, thank you for supporting this podcast. If you want to support it, share it with friends, tell people about it, uh, tweet about it, Facebook about it, Instagram about it, as I can see a lot of you are doing, and it means so much to me. I'm really, really grateful. Uh, also, I love when you tweet at the guest and tell them thank you for doing it. I love that. I feel I feel so smug. I'm always like, yeah, my listeners are the best listeners in the world. And that people do tell me that. They're like, oh my God, I, just, I keep getting emails from people saying that they love my episode and it meant the world to them. And I'm like, yeah, I know they're really great. My listeners are so great. <laughs> and you are great. So uh, I thank you so much for that. Your financial support means the world. It's I, I just don't want to make a little, uh, a small small deal of it. Is that a thing? Because it is big. And I know we don't like talking about money. We especially don't like hearing people beg for money. Oh, can you be less uh, cool than begging for money? But if you think about it, this is the best thing ever. Because usually what you have to do is you have to go to some producer and you have to say, I have this idea for a thing and it'll be me talking to people about life. And then the producer will say, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, great idea. However, could we get... Uh, maybe Piers Morgan is your co-host and also uh, it's not about life, it's more about uh, Rihanna and then you just talk to Piers Morgan about Rihanna for, for two hours and I'm like, no, actually I just want to talk to interesting people for an hour about their lives and it'll just be like a little chat and they'll be like, oh yeah, but can you get some uh, there's a g g g g glitter, glitter, is that a word even, glitter? <laughs> like um it's horrendous and i hate it and i hate having to be dependent on people to do what i really want to do and this uh enables me to not have to do that this is you saying that you want to listen to this podcast more that you want me to keep doing episodes and then you're helping me do that so that means the entire world to me so you can do that either by giving a one-off donation via madeofhumanpodcast.com or by becoming a patron where you go to patreon.com forward slash mopod m-o-h-p-o-d there's also a link on madeofhumanpodcast.com uh, for that and then you give uh, an amount per episode you type in your things you uh, you decide what you want to give and then everything happens automatically so you don't even have to, you'll just, you won't even notice it leaving your, your bank account. It'll just be like a tiny amount, but it will help me tremendously. And then you, if you give more than $5, it's in dollars. I, that, it's a weird thing, but it is in dollars. If you give more than $5 per episode, you will become a friend of the podcast, meaning that um, you'll sometimes get access to like patron-only content, which uh, sometimes I'll be doing videos, sometimes I'll get you extra episodes. But you also get a shout-out at the end of the episode, which is me butchering your name, but then remembering your name forever. So uh, the people whose names I will never forget and the people I want to thank are... Kathy Draxelbauer, Robert Knowles, Eve Wingrith, Phil Vabulous, Katrina Ingelsen, Rachel Furley, Zoe Cumberland, Helen Bowie, Bowie, Marbles Laws, Rachel Phillips, Morak Fraser, Josephine Larsen, Rachel Ayers, Nina Collingwood, Mia Rainey, Claire McCowlin, Paul Swaddle, Sarah Allard, uh, Ronya Ronya, Robert Lee Ken, Kat Posse, Ragdoll, Queen T, Jessica, Sheena Machette, Cole, Jane Mahoney, Mansell Mir, Hannah Keel, Helena Thomas, Joe C, Perpetua Moon, no, Perpetua Motion, Harry Minnett, uh, Cecil Fjeldtun, Rachel Hemsley, Mari Fraser, Lucy, uh, Susie Tyler, Kirsten Davidson, Purdy Patterson, Steph Reem, Ruth Harvey, Katie Hatfield, Robin K. 
Kappa, Karen Threthaway, Russell Hughes, Ida Sugar Larsen, Inger Ellingsen, Emma Chan, Emma Walton, Andy Walker, Claire, Danny Beckett, Fiona Richardson, Claire Lamb, Cat Pillar, Harold Van Dyke, Eleanor, Sarah Ferreira, Agassiz, and Daniel Reifersheed. Woohoo! Uh, you people are great. Uh, become a patron uh, as soon as you can and want. And then I want to thank Sarah Gami for producing this episode, Bailey Leonard for writing and recording the jingle, Linda Brinkhouse for the logo, and the Phoenix Artist Club and Peter Dunbar for letting me record episodes there. I will speak to you next Wednesday. Bye! Mm-hmm.